0: I'm Matthew Cause filling in all this week, and man, we, like, it's only a two-hour show. I have put together what I think is a great, just reasoned look at everything going on in Ohio State, and I want to get to it. And it's not just about, you know, what did Urban Meyer know or not know? Should he be fired? Uh, issues of domestic abuse, uh, power from coaches. We have all these things. Like, and it is a meaty, meaty topic. You know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. gets his first hit, William Nylander speaks, but yet now we have another topic, and this one came, like every great topic, it comes organically. I was reading that Jennifer Anderson, Jennifer Aniston, and actually all the women from Friends, courtney cox you know they would want they would jump at doing a reboot of friends we've seen so many other shows having reboots sometimes on traditional networks and sometimes on crave tv and then a guy's thinking what would be the tv show we'd like to see rebooted and i'm hosting and i'm the oldest one here so i get the final say so i went with cheers and then producer joe broke his streak and had a brilliant pop culture idea that's not fair to you, Joe. I mean, I was trying to, you know, there I'm complimenting you by ripping you at the same time. And Gronk will now play the role of Norm. So I need everyone to tweet us at MCOS56. Who would you like to say, see play the roles of Sam, Carla, Cliff, Frazier, Woody? Why did I write Woods for Woody? I I don't
1: know. I saw that I'm like you guys it's like you guys are really close. Like yeah. you and Woods, you know, just go. I'm like grab a, a hockey beer. player.
0: Woody hey, Woodsy. Woody Harrelson. Uh, or Woody on the show. Rebecca, Diane, or coach. Uh, Ian Cunningham threw out uh, one of our producers here threw out John Gibbons for coach, which makes a lot of sense. You know, some people say no. It's got to be more Boston-related guys. Dan Texum Holden writes in Kevin Millar would be great as Sam, but it's got to be Brady. Doesn't Tom Brady have to be Sam Malone? Good look. I mean, you know, they, they're around the same age when they both started the show. Good-looking guy, a lot of focus on the hair. Both have been known to be ladies' men in their time. It feels like Tom Brady, but again, I'm throwing it out there to you, the listener, who would you like to see? In all, of, Who would you like to be? Frazier! Diane! I mean, all of them out there. At, you can uh, vote MCOS56 is where you can hit me up. So, here is the really quick story. Urban Meyer is on administrative leave. Ohio State has placed him there as they investigate allegations that he was aware of domestic abuse going on between one of his assistant coaches, Zach Smith, and his then-wife, Courtney Smith. There was reports out there, and it's done great by Brett, done great, good English by me. Uh, Brett McMurphy used to work for ESPN in a college football reporter, published a piece on his Facebook account on Wednesday, talking and and showing screenshots from texts from Courtney Smith, the woman that was abused, allegedly abused, with pictures of her her arm, pictures of her body. You can see bruises. And she told all the different wives from the coaching staffs from the coaching staff of Ohio State, including Urban Meyer's wife. Urban Meyer, he denied it, told reporters last week at a media day event in Chicago that he was aware of a 2009 incident, but was told, but uh, said he didn't know about any similar incidents from 2015 prior to addressing the media. Basically, he said, yep, I knew about this one from years ago, and we helped counsel them, helped try to get them together, but I don't know anything else beyond that. And it appears from this reporting that that is an out-and-out lie by Urban Meyer. Reese Davis from ESPN, one of the top college football minds, and one of the guys most connected, tweeted out, I don't have any inside information that would make this absolute fact, but my immediate reaction when I hear he's been placed on administrative leave is that they're negotiating the details of separation. That would be huge. Huge. He is one of the most powerful men in sports. I don't want to talk about college football and power for a second. And, and it also happens to basketball as well, uh, to a degree, but not as much as football. And there's a reason why we always hear these stories of abuse, whether what happened in Penn State or the horrible stories in Michigan State with the, the women's athlete, U.S. Women's Athletic Program. You know, you go up and down and there is scandal and abuse all over the place. And one of the reasons why is that these schools are in rural areas. Pro sports is for big cities. College sports is more rural. And, of course, there's not 100%. There are exceptions, USC and UCLA. Penn State, nearly a three-hour drive to Pittsburgh. Florida State, closest place is Tallahassee. The University of Florida, it's in the middle of nowhere. Closest town, Gainesville. Ohio State? Not bad with Columbus, 860,000. Nebraska, nothing around. Michigan, Detroit's an hour away. Alabama, LSU, nothing close. Clemson, middle of nowhere, South Carolina. Georgia, two-hour drive from Atlanta. The Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma City's close, 40 minutes away, but that's not a big city. And yes, these teams get covered. Rankings and all that. But it goes away. After the football season is done, when do you hear stuff? Usually recruitment. And then after that, things go away. Why? Because you're not going to have national media there all the time. But it goes beyond that. These programs mean so much more to these areas. What Alabama football means to an entire state is so much bigger. It's bigger than what the Maple Leafs mean to southern Ontario. And part of it is because we have other things to do. We're a huge city. We're a cosmopolitan city. These rural areas, there's nothing against them. It's just the reality of geography and population. They're stuck there. So it's more intertwined into the society, which means that the administrators and the coaches are very well paid and also have so much power. And eventually that power can corrupt. Did you know in 2017, of the 50 U.S. states... A college football or men's basketball coach was the highest paid public employee in 39 of the 50 states, including Urban Meyer in Ohio State. So why does all these bad things seem to happen there? Because there's less eyeballs, there's less media, there's less attention. There's more local police or local authorities that will look the other way. You know, you hear stories about, ah, the coach, he had won too many pops, so we uh, drove him home and got him to bed. Hey, he had a big game the next day against Tell us you had to get him ready. We're not used to that here in Canada. We don't have that we don't have where college sports have that sort of impact. So that's part of this. If you wonder why this happens all the time. And then there's also the addiction of winning when you're a coach. Urban Meyer huge into cancer research does a lot of charity work a massive restaurant chain in ohio named him as the star of their fall advertising campaign he was going to be the head breakfast coach for bob evans restaurants huge chain he's written a book above the line lessons in leadership and life from a championship program been honored by obama He's 11 and 3 in bowl games, winning percentage of 851, no sanctions or games or titles removed during his time at Florida. You can look at all that and go, wow, this is a fantastic guy. And, you know, deeply religious, very involved in the community. And there's a lot of ways, yeah, you can say, yeah, he's all these good things. Then there's the other side. Six years at Florida, 31 players arrested, at least 10 accused of crimes ranging from misdemeanor battery to felony domestic assault to felony theft, to domestic battery. 2010, a running back who, actually with the BC Lions, Chris Rainey. This guy was suspended for only four games in 2010 after he was charged with aggravated stalking for allegedly texting his girlfriend, time to die, and then the B word. He had Aaron Hernandez on his team. Aaron Hernandez, serial killer. Now, part of it is he had Team Tebow, so we don't notice very much. Tebow sort of shielded everyone with his goodness. A part of this is the addiction of winning, where winning trumps all. And back in the day, morality wasn't really as much part of the conversation with, what do you want from your sports team? Hell, today we still don't really know. We're figuring it out. We're still groping around in the darkness on this. What's the team's responsibility? What's the league's responsibility? But I look at Urban Meyer and you can put together a massive list. Of all the great things about this guy, family guy, all the money he's done, all the work he's done, all the, you know, just the, the written books on leadership. I mean, you know, he's featured in Forbes magazine. He's the sort of guy that does those speaking tours for CEOs. Incredibly smart business leaders want to learn from him. So you can you can take all of that and build a character profile and Urban Myers seems like a damn great guy. There's only one problem. He's gotten hooked. He's addicted to winning. He's a damn good winner. Much the same way Jeff Lunau. Smart guy. Progressive guy. Oh, get stuck in baseball long enough, win a World Series, want to keep winning. Let's bring in Roberto Osuna. And when you're a coach and you have this amount of unchecked power and you are addicted to winning, anything can happen. Now, having said all this, there is a chance. There is an absolute chance. Urban Meyer didn't know anything about it. Maybe his wife never told him. I have a hard time believing this because coaches are control freaks. Coaches know everything that's going on. And when you dig into Urban Meyer, and you dig into just all the shady things that were going on in Florida, and all the times that he probably looked the other way, because as nice as character is, winning is a whole lot better. I look at Urban Meyer, it's just another coach that got addicted to the game, addicted to winning. A guy who had a lot of power in a place where football means everything. Ohio State football means more in that state than just about anything else. The only thing that maybe means more was LeBron James at the peak of his powers. It'd be LeBron James first, it'd be Ohio State second. Certainly wouldn't be the Cleveland Browns. Wouldn't be the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a big story also because, hey, cynically, it's August 2nd. It's going to get a lot of attention. Ohio State's going to get a lot of attention. There's a lot of people in the media that just aren't big fans of football, aren't big fans of the hero worship that goes on with coaches. So there will be a takedown. Hopefully all the the investigating going forward is done without bias, is done well. And we eventually find out the truth. Who knows if we will? Who knows if Urban Meyer will survive this? A couple of years ago, would have said yes in a heartbeat. But now, with the way, with everything with Me Too, social media, I'm not as sure. Because as big and powerful as Urban Meyer is, the university's bigger. They've won before him. They'll win after him. And they might look to themselves and go, this is not worth it. Let's figure out a buyout. And by the way, on administrative leave, Urban Meyer gets a little over $20,000 per day. He'll be okay. And eventually if this goes away, he'll get another chance. Coming up next, Chris Schultz is going to join us. I'm going to ask him, James Franklin being benched for McLeod Bethel Thompson, how much of that shows a failure by Mark Tressman and by Jim Popp? Plus, what are the odds that a quarterback who hasn't been in a live game in years, who's had under two weeks practice, can lead a team that has won one game in their last 17 games and has scored the fewest points in the CFL. That'd be the Montreal Alouettes. Quarterback would be Johnny Manziel. What are the odds he can be successful tomorrow night? That's all coming up right here on TSN 1050. You're listening to Toronto Today. A round of applause to the listeners of this show. Oh my God, if we stumbled on a great topic here on TSN 1050 on Toronto Today. We are recasting the show Cheers. If Jennifer Anderson says she'd love to see friends come back, we say we want Cheers to come back. And we want you, the listeners, to help us recast the show. We've already got one figured out. And that, of course, Norm is going to be played by Gronk. Comedian Sean Cullen, a really, really funny guy, wrote in and suggested R.A. Dickey as the role of Frazier. That is brilliant. And by the way, you have not seen Sean Cullen, one of the best comedians working in Toronto. That is a good one. Kyle LaSalle. If you know Carlo Tortelli... And the fact that she was a very fertile woman. He wants Antonio Cromartie to play Carla Tortelli. (laughs) Everybody, please keep sending these in at MCoS56. We will, by the way, come tomorrow, we will reveal the list. We are going to put together this list. We want you guys to keep sending them in. Someone wanted Brad Marchand as Carla, also quite funny. Joining us now to talk all things CFL, the Argonauts taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks tonight down at BMO Field, 7 o'clock start. It is one of our favorites. It is Chris Schultz from TSN. Plus, does the color work with one of our favorites, Mike Hogan, for the Argo games. Schultz, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing good. You're coming on down to the game, Matt, because I almost got Gareth to come on down about a couple of weeks ago, but he said he wouldn't come on down unless Manzel was traded uh, to the Argonauts. I said, Buddy, that's not gonna happen. He no. doesn't fit and we went back and forth. Of course he did fits on offense, but I almost had him to come on down to a game. He said he's coming to four. He made me that commitment off air so you gotta come down you gotta come down to five.
0: First off Wheeler is a dirty liar uh, second he's gonna just keep talking to you about turning into a four down league and I remember the first time he said that to me I almost wanted to strangle him um, I, know. I almost never get angry doing this job but Wheeler pushed that button um, by the way I I want to talk all Argos Ottawa. At any point, if you want to throw out an athlete who you think would work in our, in Cheers, because we're going to redo Cheers, if you have any suggestions out there, um, you know, at any point, please throw them out there. But here's what I want to start with you, Schultze. In the NFL, if the storyline is team has young quarterback that they brought in, that, that he was the guy designed to be the future of the team, and then, after about four games, he's been benched for the 30-year-old journeyman in McLeod Bethel Thompson. If that happens in the NFL, you know, then a lot of the conversation goes to how much of this on the coach, because it seems to me, Mark Tressman, you know, that James Franklin wasn't working in Tressman's system. How much of this is on Mark Tressman not adjusting his system to work with James Franklin, and how much of this is on Jim Pop and bringing in a quarterback that maybe Tressman didn't want to work
2: with? Well, that depends. I mean, do you look at it as a failure, or do you look at it as part of a process?
0: I mean, right now, you're right. It, it is a process. Um, failure is a bit hyperbolic. Uh, this is sports radio, because we're only into you know one-third of the season. But I'll, yeah. say, I'll say this. just When I hear the idea that, oh, wait, no, we're going to bench Franklin. He's not working into the West Coast offense that Tressman prefers. And my first thought to that was, hey, coach, James Franklin, had success in Edmonton, part of your job is to tailor your offense to your quarterback.
2: No, I don't disagree. And I think with James coming in and the contract that he signed, he basically had the first shot to be the starter for the Argonauts through the entire 18-game season. Well, as the season has progressed and six games were completed, he has one touchdown pass, he has uh, six interceptions, he hasn't been able to get the football down the field the way that Trussman wants the football to go down the field because it's very difficult to put together 12 and 14 play drives in this league. It's easier to get large amounts of yardage to position yourself to get one play into the end zone. So I really believe what he is doing is based out of logic. Now going through training camp, he had this other quarterback, McLeod Bethel Thompson, and he's the type of quarterback that fits what Mark Trussman wants to do. So if he had turned around and he had started the quarterback he's starting tonight, then the criticism would have been there. Well, what about James Franklin? He had to go through the process of uncovering the unknown. And that process of uncovering the unknown, if successful, Matt, then you have a great second half of the season. All CFL teams do that in the month of July in particular. They figure out what they got. NFL teams do that as well because you're playing regular season games. You're getting a lot of film and video on players, and you're able to determine who is the best player for a situation and who is the best player for a specific position. So I don't think this is a wrong decision. I think it is a part of a process decision. Now, can McLeod Bethel Thompson, can he be better than what you saw with James Franklin? Well, they're certainly hoping so. I mean, he's 6'4", he's 230, he's gone through all the NFL ups and downs he possibly can, And he's a 30-year-old man. He's not a kid. And he has a maturity about him that I think fits much better with what Trustman wants to do than where James Franklin is right now in his career. That doesn't mean you dismiss the other guy. It's more that he now is in a supportive system to make sure that the number one quarterback performs at an unbelievably high level.
0: Joined by Chris Schultz from TSN and also color analyst for the Toronto Argonauts, taking on auto tonight, seven o'clock. It's going to be a gorgeous night. You got to head down to BMO. Um, At the end of this interview, I'll tell you why I can't go, and it's very, very depressing. Um, When I look at James Franklin, every chance I saw, every time I saw him in Edmonton, he looked good. He was able to get points, was able to move the ball, 12 touchdowns versus one interception, better yards per pass, slightly better completion percentage. The fact that he worked well in Edmonton and didn't work in Toronto, how much of this is on the coach? How much is this on the quarterback?
2: I think the vast majority is on the quarterback. Coaches are preparers, Matty. All they can do is, they're no different than your producer. All your producer can do is align your show to a specific level that you have satisfaction with. Make sure that all the guests are on time. Make sure in your pre-discussions that you have good subject matters to be involved with. And then he's got to let you go. And they've got to let you go and talk and be entertaining. And most, most of all, be intelligent with your sports articulation. He's the coach. You're the player. So it's up to you to perform. Now, if the coach doesn't produce a result, if he doesn't prepare you, it's going to affect your performance. But the bottom line is when you're on radio... If it's going to be a success, it's not on the producer. The producer's already done his work. It's up to you. Then the bottom line is if you lose your job, (laughs) it's not the producer that got you fired.
0: You did. I disagree. I I think if I'm great, it's me. If I'm bad, then Joe Narsa, shame on you.
2: No. no. (laughs) It always gets back to the player. Those are the guys that go on the football field the day before a game. What is amazingly, I don't know if this is the right word, but it's serene. I mean, all the work is done by the coaches. There's almost a relaxed state of mind the day before a game because everybody knows that everything is done and everything is prepared. Now it's time to perform. If James Franklin does get another opportunity to be the starting quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts, then he has to produce a result that is satisfactory for his head coach, Mark Trestman and for the quarterback coach, Anthony Calvillo, and for Jim Poppin, even for Ricky Ray, because, you know this was not an individual decision. This was a consensus decision because they have too many good football minds in this organization, not for everybody else to have a say on how they want to distribute their personnel. Joined
0: by Chris Schultz. Chris, here's why, and listen, I'm a Franklin fan. Uh, I, I've loved him since I saw him in Edmonton. But here's why I'm rooting for McLeod Bethel Thompson tonight. One, I'm an Argo fan. I want him to do well. I want the team to win. The fact they're one in five stinks. I love this quote. I want to read it to you and get your thoughts. Um, Bethel said re- said yesterday, I've been cut 11 or 12 times from NFL teams. Signed and cut. It takes a level of insanity and obsession to keep at it. I think I'm insane enough to still be here.
2: Bingo. I agree with you in that assessment, and I'm going to be cheering for him, too. Love that I love it, too. You know, Matty, there's two types of opportunities in life. There's the opportunities that are given you, and there's the opportunities that are earned. And for Thompson, this one is earned. He's going to come in here, and he's going to know that he's gone through enough football adversity that he'll find out whether he's good enough to play, and he has earned this opportunity. Other times, other scenarios, whether it be you're drafted high. You're drafted in a situation where they didn't have open competition. It's your job. That opportunity is given to you, and you have to capitalize on it. But the big thing is I believe that he recognizes this. And to capitalize on an opportunity, the first thing you got to do, you got to recognize it. you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is my opportunity. Don't mess it up, so to speak. And put the pressure on yourself to be as prepared, and perform at the highest level and learn from whatever mistakes you can learn from within the context of the game or the very next day when you're reviewing the game. But I do agree with you. To hear his comments about the different scenarios that he's been through, it's nice to see a guy who, you know, I don't want to say humble, but has paid a price to have this opportunity. And there's no doubt in my mind there's everyone in the organization is cheering him on. He's well-respected as a quarterback, and I think he's going to do quite well. I'm picking Toronto to win tonight.
0: So you're one of the few then, because if you go to if you go to CFL.ca, uh, the rest of us we have Ottawa. I hope I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. Um, uh, the Toronto Argonauts. Um, moving over because we've now spoke for about seven minutes about the CFL without talking about Johnny Manziel. I've just been fined forty five dollars. Um, he's had under two weeks of practice. Montreal has gone 1-16 in 16 in their last 17 games. No team has scored fewer points than they have, and they lose Chris Williams as part of that trade who goes to Hamilton. I look at all this, and I'll be honest with you, I'll be shocked if Johnny Manziel, and then also, you know, quarterbacks don't do well early on in this league. I don't care who you are. Uh, you just don't do well early on. I'd be shocked if Johnny Manziel plays well tomorrow night.
2: And so would I. I, I think the positives about this is two things number one he does know the Hamilton defense so in evaluation he knows which corners or defensive backs or even safeties depending on the coverage are good in man-to-man or bad in man-to-man who plays a zone well and who has trouble in zone he knows the blitz packages that the Hamilton Ticats run and he knows a lot about the individual players and they know about him they know about whether he throws better moving to the right to the left what patterns he's accurate on, what patterns he's not accurate on. They know about his completion percentage. You got to remember is through training camp and also through the practice, they've charted every one of Johnny Manziel's throws in the sense that how many were complete, how many were incomplete, who he throws the football to, what patterns he throws and which ones he likes. So it's like you got the quarterback knows the defense, but the entire defense knows the quarterback. So let's say that's a wash where this is a unique opportunity is Manziel really ingratiated himself to Hamilton, to the football team, to the organization. He didn't come in with an ego. He came in with a high sense of humility, and people were very appreciative of that. There's nobody on the Ticats that are going to headhunt him, try to get a shot on him. that are going to trash talk him. You know, they, they don't want him to do well because winning and losing in this sport is everything. This sport is terrible when you win, and it's, a lot, it's terrible when you lose, and it's a lot of fun when you win. But nobody's going to take a shot on him. It's just going to be as if he's playing a very high-intensity practice game just in a different uniform. So he can use that to his advantage. It's not like he's going in and playing Saskatchewan or playing another team that has an animosity to him. But to think that the young man, after 11 days, I believe, precisely, and his third playbook, because remember he was in the American Spring Football League, yeah. in Hamilton, now Montreal, can run a sophisticated, polished offense is unrealistic. I'm not going to evaluate or judge Johnny Manziel till maybe I estimate Matt Labor Day. Yeah. And then at Labor Day, I think you kind of know what you got. Out of the pocket, he's fantastic. He improvises. He adapts. When the pressure is on, he doesn't give up. He makes it happen. In the pocket in CFL football, if he starts throwing 25 yard post patterns right in the receiver's hands, then you really got something, and you'll have a confident quarterback. Mike Sherman knows this player really well. He knows Mike Sherman. That is a big time plus, but I think he's going to struggle.
0: Hey, Schultzy, always appreciate. By the way, you know what I'm doing today?
2: Coming to Abema.
0: I oh god, that would be good. Um my girlfriend's twin sister is moving. She has to move out of her place and for temporarily she's going to be moving in with me. And her twin sister, my girlfriend, so I've got to help them move, and they're moving a bunch of crap into my place, and I'm someone who doesn't like, like... I'm a guy who likes empty, even my closets. I like lots of space and not a lot of clutter, so I'm helping her move today. That is my afternoon and evening.
2: Best wishes, Matt.
0: Right back at you, buddy. (laughs) Uh, I I will be listening and be watching as much as I can. Love hearing you and Mike Hogan calling the game. Really appreciate it, sir.
2: Thanks, man. Have a good afternoon.
0: Uh, I'll do my best. Thanks so much, sir. (laughs) That was Chris Schultz. Yeah, maybe Johnny Manziel will succeed. And it's not a hating thing. It's not, oh, how dare you come out to the CFL and think you're going to be a big star. Hope you are a big star. If you're a big star, helps me. All right for the CFL? I, uh, you know, broadcast here for TSN 1050, and I'm a football fan. I'm a sports fan. Johnny Manziel doing well is far more interesting than Vernon Adams Jr. doing mediocre. All right, coming up on the other side, thoughts on William Nylander. We'll play you the sound of Vlad Greer Jr. getting his first hit, but let's let's be honest. Um, and this topic is going to live to tomorrow. We threw it out there, and we want you to keep sending us your tweets at mcos 56. We're recasting cheers with athletes. Or, yeah, mostly athletes. I mean, if you have other options, you know, we'll listen to it. And we want to hear your options. Like, for instance, we were pretty sure that we were going to have Gronk playing the role of Norm. And that seemed perfect. But then someone threw out Bartolo... or, or Sorry, not um, uh, Cliff... Um, wait. Slow down. Um... <laughs> Producer Joe, get on the mic What did you just whisper in my ear? I just ear? said
1: speak English I
0: know, I'm so excited about this topic uh, But the one we've got we, We're pretty much settled Gronk is Norm Peterson, correct?
1: Yes also in part-
0: And we are now looking to get All the other roles cast in this um, Is it Tom Brady as Sam Mayday Malone? Someone wrote in Joe Biagini I mean, Biagini was a really interesting cat Yes But it, if we want a little star power I think we got to go for Tom Brady
1: I, I have one uh, my choice for Diane I'm really happy about. Mm-hmm. I have Doris Burke. Ooh because she's intelligent, she's classy, she also like controls a room, and she takes no one's BS. So 100 percent Doris Burke is Diane, and their haircuts are very similar.
0: Alex writes in Derek <laughs> Derek Cheater for Mayday Malone for Sam Malone. We'll get more into this on the other side. And what we're going to do between now and tomorrow's show, we're going to keep, we're going to harvest all your answers. And we will put together what we think is our dream team cast. We are going to revive Cheers. Because we heard that Jennifer Aniston wants to do the same with Friends, that she is interested, that Lisa Kudrow is interested, that Courtney Cox is interested. So why can't we have why can't we have cheers back? And we've gotten so many great response. And one of my favorite response to this, Tim Reynolds, who is a great baseball, excuse me basketball writer with the Associated Press. He's been on he's been on the station. He wrote. He wrote to me. I filled this out, but there's no way I'm sending it back. I think he's worried about the abuse he may take.
1: However, he actually DM'd it to us <gasps> and said, "You guys can talk about it on air." He's like, "But I'm just not tweeting this out. I don't know <laughs> why. It's not bad. It's just he just, I guess, didn't want to forever be known for this in the future. Unlike me and you, who want this to be our legacy."
0: Okay. Okay. We're gonna get into all of that. Little Nylander. Little Vlad Guerrero Jr. This topic's got some legs. That's coming up next right here on TSN 1050. What show would we like to have revived? In the end, we went with the classic. I mean, you know, this is not brain surgery. We went with Cheers. And what we want from you um, is your suggestions of what athletes would you like to see in all the roles. And we've had some great stuff. Chris writes in, Cliff Clavin, Charles Barkley. Both of them know-it-alls. Both of them often annoying for a variety of people. Not a bad choice. There's been a bunch of Bryce Harper as Sam Mayday Malone, the Sam Malone character, because it's all about hair. And they do have great hair. So we want you to send in your suggestions at TSN 1050 Radio or hit me up at MCOS 56. I think what we're going to do tomorrow, Joe, is some point tonight or tomorrow morning, we're going to go through all the suggestions, and then we will make the final decision.
1: Yeah, we need to book this. We need to call the cast members. We're going to let Rob Gronkowski know he's playing Norm.
0: And that's the one that we've decided that's it.
1: That's locked in stone. That's locked in stone. Just like Norm's seat at that corner.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Gronk House. Like I don't know how you can do better than Gronk playing the role of Norm Peterson. Um, it feels Tom Brady feels like the Sam Mayday Malone role, but we're still open, and this is not just about being a Boston thing. I mean, Gronk works because he likes to party, likes to get his drink on, as does Norm, and also Norm just bursts out of nowhere and is wildly entertaining. That's kind of like Gronk. Um, Gronk makes everything better for the Pats offense. Norm always made any scene he was prominently involved in. Also Norm doesn't like to go back to his old lady. Uh what was her v- Vera? And Gronk as well does not feel like a guy ready to just go home to one lady each and every night. So yeah, Gronk, if you knew better than Gronk, I'd love to hear it. You know, I am all all ears for it. So we will reveal that list on the show tomorrow. Um, I love Sean Cullen, the comedian. And uh, you can see him all the time at Comedy Bar, Yuck Yuck, stuff like that. Uh, does stuff for the Just for Last Festival. Throughout, R.A. Dickey for Fraser. R.A. Dickey, you know, really smart guy. Often talks above everyone. You know, uses the big words. That feels like Frasier. I mean, that, that feels pretty good.
1: I went with Greg Popovich. Another good one because he's a fan, he's a wine connoisseur, loves it. Yep, he's so intelligent. He sees the world so differently, yet he seems so comfortable around the everyday person and likes to hang around with athletes. And he has a great connection with them. But the guy is so
0: smart. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yeah, no, so uh, we will be debating this tomorrow. Uh haven't got a chance to play it, so we'll play for you now in case you didn't hear it. Yesterday's afternoon game for the the Buffalo Bisons, Vlad Guerrero Jr. got his first hit for the AAA squad. It sounded like this. Spins and deals 3-2. Lifted down the left-field side. It's a fair ball. Well struck in front of Aaron Altair. Wide turn by Guerrero. It's a one-out base runner for the Bisons, as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has his first hit in AAA. I just felt like it was my duty to play that for you. You know, it's uh, you got the hit. They're they're playing, I believe, another afternoon game today. Um, So we'll keep an eye on that on Vlad Greer Jr. Uh, The debate's going to be between now and September, and all of September, do you bring him up even if it means you sacrifice a year of control? And it'll be funny to monitor who says yes and who says no. Steve Phillips says, nope, you uh, bring him up just a little bit here and there, but you do not. You do not look to bring him up full-time and burn a year of his free agent eligibility. You keep him in control for as long as possible. Now, of course, why would Steve Phillips say it? He's a former general manager. It's in his blood. I mean, you know, for him, and it makes sense, you do whatever it takes And you don't worry about if it causes bad feelings with the player. They'll forget. They'll move on. You don't worry if he gets bad feelings with the agent. You're always getting bad feelings with the agent. It's about just roster construction, asset management, and it's about big picture thinking. So I get that from Steve. I myself push back the exact opposite. That view to me seems small-minded. It seems cheap. It seems... uh, and, And only if... If the player's developing by being with the Blue Jays, if Vlad's developing by being the Blue Jays, then you don't keep him down there. If the big picture is to get him to be the best player he can be, and it makes more sense to have him with the Blue Jays than that with the Bisons, bring him up. Don't worry about 2024. Don't worry about that. If you're a good organization, your players are going to want to stay, and you will indeed spend the money. So, yeah, Vlad Guerra Jr. gets uh, his first hit yesterday. You know, Jays get swept by Oakland. I apologize for Jays fans, you know, not covering this more. You know, Marcus Stroman didn't have a great start. Allowed seven runs, 11 hits. Now, the final two runs, I believe Danny Barnes was on the mound. Um, Stroman left with men on base, and Barnes was not able to get Stroman out of the jam. And a lot of those other runs, a lot of the hits, they were bloopers. It wasn't like he was hit all over the place. That's it for me. Okay, that's it for me on the Jays coverage. Because, quite frankly, right now, the only thing I'm interested in, Donaldson, and I'm fascinated they play Seattle. I want to see how many Jays jerseys are in attendance. Will it look like when the Leafs are taking on the Ottawa Senators? The Argonauts taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks tonight. Let's see how McLeod Bethel-Thompson does. If he does well, Then Mark tressman it's a feather in his cap. Because from everything I heard, James Franklin wasn't necessarily the guy that he wanted uh, to run this style of offense. We'll see. If it doesn't work out with Franklin, that feels a bit like a failure to me. And I know failure is a strong word. But it feels like a failure on the part of the coaching staff. And I was debating this with, with Chris Schultz. For Schultz, he puts more of it on the quarterback. I get it. But whenever I saw Franklin play, he looked good. He looked good with Edmonton. Now, part of it, Edmonton's got better weapons. You know, whenever anyone f- succeeds or fails, you have to look at the big picture. Edmonton has better weapons, better receivers, uh, better offensive line. But part of a coach's job is to get the most out of the quarterback. And if Franklin had success in Edmonton and he's not having any in Toronto, how much of that's on Franklin? How much of it's on James Wilder? Is not having the year so far this year, than had last year. And how much of it's on the coach unwilling to alter his system to match with the talent around him? The best coaches are the malleable coaches, not the ones where it's like, I got this one way of doing it. And it is up to you to fit into that system. So that game tonight, seven o'clock, you can listen to it. Uh, t- you can listen to it right here, TSN 1050. You can watch it on TSN. It's a part of a back to back. And then tomorrow night, Johnny Manziel, the Montreal Alouettes, taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The biggest story to keep an eye on, Urban Meyer. He's on administrative leave because did he or did he not have information back in 2015 about one of his assistant coaches abusing his wife, involved with domestic violence. And this story came out from Brett McMurphy, published on his Facebook account, Football Reporter, used to be with ESPN, And he's got lots of information, but more than that, he's got text messages out there, he's got pictures out there showing um, the, the wife of the assistant coach, Courtney Smith, and she told other wives, including Urban Meyer's wife, Shelley, about the alleged physical abuse in 2015, and then recently, Urban Meyer said nope, never heard, he said nope, didn't know about it, no idea. So he's on administrative leave. And if he gets fired, he's one of the most powerful men in American sports. We don't sometimes think about it because we don't follow college football as much. You know, it's just, hey, we're more into hockey and other things. Urban Meyer, next to Nick Saban, is the most powerful man in college football. And if he gets toppled by this, if he gets toppled by a reporter who published it on his Facebook account, Man, this becomes a story of power. This becomes a story of blinded blinded by the addiction of winning. This is a Me Too story. And this is also a journalism story, if all of this does come to be. We'll keep an eye on that. Also, a reminder, the NFL actually starts tonight. The first preseason game, it's Chicago and Baltimore. And here's my advice to you. And it's not just because, hey, I work for TSN and, you know, write for the CFL. I would not watch this game live, I would PVR it, maybe catch a series or two. When I was in my late teens, early 20s, I found the preseason more interesting. Of course, that was back in the mid 90s when there wasn't as many entertainment options out there. Now, preseason, all it means is please don't get hurt, please don't get hurt. And hey, I hope the rookie looks good. That's about it. Um, William Nylander had this to say at the Smash Fest. Uh, tournament that was going on, the charity event thrown and started by Dominic Moore. William Nealander asked about his contract and said these magic words.
1: Oh, I mean, of course, I want long term. That's um, what I'd want to do. So that's, uh, but we'll take it uh, slow, day by day, and uh, see what happens.
0: The magic words, long term deal. Um, Producer Joe Tim Reynolds, AP basketball reporter. He tweeted me and said, I want to give my list of what athletes I would cast in the revival of Cheers, but he didn't want to put it out there in social media, but he DM'd us it, and, he, and uh, he said we could read it out loud. So what were his picks?
1: So he agreed with us that Tom Brady is Sam. Yep. He had a really cool uh, point here. So he was like, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan are the only Carla-Diane rivalry I can think of. So Love carla it. Tanya Harding, Diane, Nancy Kerrigan. And by the way, that's perfect,
0: because Nancy Kerrigan was seen as the more innocent, all prim and proper, just like Diane, Carla, feisty, fighter, ready to to throw a punch just like Harding. Love it. His Norm,
1: Charles Barkley. Yep. His Cliff, Rob Gronkowski. Okay, so he's with us on Cliff. Gronk... Oh wait, no, no, he's he's going the other way. Yeah, he took... Gronk is still on the show... But he's a mailman. No. No, that's bad. Uh, Frazier, A-Rod. No. I, no. 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 Um, Woody, Tim Tebow. I like that. I like that, too. Star power, good-looking fella, innocent. And yeah. then we have uh, Rebecca Lolo Jones. Mm-hmm. And coach is Joe Namath.
0: Not bad. I like that. Mike writes in, in the show, Luongo as Nick Tortelli. I mean, if we
1: want to expand this, I have Luongo as Woody, and I like that as well because he's fun-loving. he yeah. you know, he he plays the goofball. Yeah, so I like him there. Do you want to
0: read? You want to read your list? We got less than a minute. Do you want sure? To read?
1: So I have uh, Tom Brady as Sam, Danica Patrick as Rebecca. I like that one. Gronk is Norm forever. Roberto Luongo is Woody. Greg Popovich is Frazier. Mm-hmm. Doris Burke is Diane. Phil Kessel is Cliff, because he's in the background, and his chirps are hilarious, and my Carla, Ronda Rousey, because you don't want to get in her face. Love it. We, uh,
0: by the way, to everyone listening and everyone in the Twitterverse, thank you so much. You've sent so many. Ooh, Frazier, Ken Dryden. Uh, We have so much work to do tomorrow. This is going to be dominating the show. That is not a bad pick as well. Thank you for everyone. Please keep engaging on this. We will reveal our final picks tomorrow. Plus, we get back into the Argonauts game, taking on Ottawa, 7 o'clock tonight. Johnny Manziel plays tomorrow. First NFL game. Uh, Jays in Seattle. That might be a home game for the Blue Jays. A lot going on. Have a great day, everyone. It is the Scott McArthur Show with the man that you want to listen to when it comes to your pro line picks, Andy McNamara. That's next, right here on TSN 1050.